Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G'day and welcome to the Farm's Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farm's Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farm's Vice and let's get into this episode. The ATO has announced a major crackdown on taxation of family trusts. So you're a family farm, you've had a trust for 30, 40 years. That is a very long time to be structuring your business and that may be just taken away from you. Is income splitting dead? Find out in this episode with the team at Byfields on the Beyond the Tax Return series. And we welcome Ryan back to the microphone into the studio for this episode. Let's get into it. Everything mentioned in this episode is to be taken as general advice only as the host, myself, and guest, Ryan, do not know your own circumstances as it can change drastically. So make sure that you go to see your expertise in accountancy or financials to get the knowledge of your own scenario or contact the team at Byfields today. Well, Ryan, welcome back to the Farms Vice podcast. Great to have your expertise again on the Beyond the Tax Return series. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Good to be back, mate. Um, let's see if I can uh, impart some knowledge. See how we go. Yep. Well, mate, that's what it's all about, passing on the Farms Advice and seeing how we can help out a few of the farmers within your circle, but also outside of the Byfield circle. That would be great as well. So let's get cracking down to agribusiness. People have heard your story. They might not want to hear it again, so we'll just get down to agribusiness. Um, what are we going to be talking today and like, what's the hot issue you're thinking about at Biofields? Yep, no worries. So um, um, hot issue at the moment is uh, some recent info coming from the ATO that is uh, pretty detrimental to um, anyone operating in a trust. Uh, so, uh, and the trust setups and how you go about uh, distributing that income. So, 
that's come out and there's been a lot of uh, feedback in the industry about it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, like, does, do you actually have the stats of how many people run trust within agriculture? I don't, mate. I don't. But I can tell you um, out of my own sort yeah. of list and who we deal with in Byfields, uh, you know, your standard family farming business, um, you'd have to say, you know, 80%, I'd say, would, would either be directly in a trust yeah. or would have a trust somewhere in their structure. Um, and, and it is really, they are, uh, you know, some of the bigger guys have moved on from trust because you can outgrow them. So they have, um, some guys are moving across to, you know, your corporate setups and your companies and all that sort of stuff. Um, but for your standard family, family farm, uh, you know, make, still making pretty good money, don't get me wrong, uh, can uh, I really, yeah, utilising trusts and still doing so. Um, the reason being is because they, they're relevant to farmers that they, um, they still provide a lot of asset protection for your, for your farming land and your assets held, all right? So, that, so there's a tick there. Uh, one of the other reasons is, where you make your money. So in the actual business, which is a trust and how you make your money. So whatever that's made up of, whether it's, you know, a bit of dividend income or farming income or whatever, when that flows down to the, to the individual at the bottom, it keeps its um, same status. So farming income in a trust will be farming income to the individual. And what that means is a lot of the um, tax benefits that are available specific to farmers will get passed on to the individual if they are operating through a trust, okay? So things like your uh, averaging FMDs, um, small business CGT concessions, all that sort of stuff is still available by operating through a trust where if you're operating through a company, it loses that primary production status and comes out to the individual as just normal um, non-primary production related income. So a lot of that, a lot of those benefits get lost um, through the through the co corporate setup. Uh, so, so I suppose anyone listening to this will uh, likely either have a trust in their structure or be interested in them. So they probably have an idea of how they work. But just a very quick uh, basic rundown of of how they work and what they're all about. Just a bit of trust one hundred and one, I suppose you can say is that, um, you know, a trust is its own separate entity, right? So you have the individuals and then you have the trust, which owns assets, runs a business, does what it does, whatever it does. Um, but the beauty of a trust or a family farming trust is it's referred to as a discretionary trust. So what that means is any profits made in the business, the, the, the owner or the trustee of the trust has the discretion, has the flexibility to allocate that profit how they like to family members, okay? So, you know, in comparison, if it's a company, a company is, uh, there's shareholders of a company and that profit will go out in a set percentage of who owns the shares. Whereas in a trust, every year, year on year, you know, one year, if we're in a, say we're in a family group, Jack, you might get 80% of the profit, I might get 20. The next year I might get 80, you might get 20, depending on, our personal circumstances. So it really gives that um, flexibility to be able to, to, to move profits around to other beneficiaries. Yeah. Of course that's 
part of why the ATO uh, don't, don't like them all that much is because of the uh, benefit that you can get from that. Um, so they take umbrage with that to a degree, okay? Um, what they're targeting though is when a, so say we're in a business, mate, all right? So we've got, we've got our farming business going. Um, it's operating through a trust. It makes a profit, let's say, I don't know, 300 grand, whatever we make, okay? Um, we allocate that profit out to the individuals at the end of the day, okay? But even though on the books that profit's going to the individual, the money might not land there, if you see what I mean. So, you know, uh, I might get allocated $200,000 of the profit, but in real terms, I might take 50 grand to live off, okay? So on the books, there's 200 grand owing to me. Uh, I've taken 50, so effectively the trust owes me that spare 150 grand, all right? We call that a loan or a unpaid present entitlement. The, what the ATO are targeting effectively is when, now that, sorry, that unpaid present entitlement, that's, that's legally enforceable, okay? So that 150 grand, I can call upon and, and get that money, all right? So that can work positively, it can work negatively. If um, let's say I pass away for whatever reason, right? And I don't make um, any, uh, uh, notification or um, forgiveness for it in my will, then the business is going to have to come up with that 150 grand to pay me because it owes me that money, right? It forms part of my will. If I get divorced or anything like that, it's an asset. It's, it forms part of the um, assets for me. So you can see on one hand, the trust wants to allocate profit to the individual to spread the, spread the income around, spread the tax around that creates a bit of a loan. But on the other hand, we don't really want those loans there because they're legally enforceable and um, they, they can cause headaches and issues down the track. So what sometimes happens is let's say we're in a, um, you know, your, your set family farm where you've got mum, dad, kids coming along. If you're allocating large profits out to those kids and those loans are building up, a lot of the times, most good accountants or whoever's around will want to make sure that those loans don't get out of control, right? So you want to you want to peg them back a bit. Uh, so you either might um, a, a debt of forgiveness, or you know, basically a repayment of those monies will come around where the kid or the child will forgive that loan and and sort of move that money back to the trust or maybe to the parents and their loan account. All right. So, so it's all about who gets the profits and who pays the tax, but where does the money actually end up? That's what the ATO are really targeting and, 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 uh, and where it comes from. So they're not big fans of having profits go out to certain people, but the money not follow where the, where the profits are going. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's been legislation around this whole area since, since uh, 1979 basically, right? So the legislation's always been there. Um, it's called, for anyone interested, it's, it's, it's Section 100A uh, is, is, the, is, the, is the issue in the spotlight at the moment. And that was really brought in back in the day to stop um, 
to stop people really taking advantage. So in my example, we had the mum and dad and the kids, right? It's, it's not so bad because of the money stays in the family group and it's, and it's moving around, you know, maybe we get a little bit of a uh, lower tax rate overall, but, you know, it's staying in the family group, no harm, no foul. It's, it's not too bad. But if you replace that child that got that large allocation and say, bring in a uh, not-for-profit entity, let's say like a charity or a church or something like that, and say that that charity or church got that 150K profit and then that charity or church, so that's not going to pay any tax on the, on the allocation, right? Because it's a, it's a not-for-profit organisation. If they then hand me the money back around the back, I've effectively moved profits out to another entity, got it back, the money's back in the business and we haven't paid any tax on it, okay? So that is originally why this uh, legislation was brought in and why, um, why it's there. Uh, it just appears that um, they are effectively revisiting it at the moment, I suppose you can say. So, so in essence, that's what the ATO aren't happy about at the moment is, is the forgiving of the loans, okay? Yeah, yeah so it might explain the church boom going through from farm. <laughs> yeah, no, de dead right. Uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, converting and becoming certain uh, religious, but, you know, that... There, there's there's difference in extremes between sort of tax planning, tax minimization, and tax evasion. That church example is obviously tax evasion. Yep. The allocation to the kids and splitting it between family members, that's that's always generally being considered tax minimization. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think like as a farmer, like myself as a younger farmer trying to get my hands on the books and have a look at everything, we want to improve our position. Um, so look looking at what the ATO is doing with the trust how they're set up and like what's the next step or is there another channel that farmers are going to look to or are we just going to be controlled within these trusts a little bit more now? Yeah, yeah, nah, fair enough. So um, the, trusts are, the trusts are great. As I said, trusts are great. They've worked in the past and I think they will continue to work. Um, the only reason it's really come about now is because... Um, uh, well, they've been working on this. As I said, the legislation hasn't changed. All right, the legislation is the same. What's going to happen though is they've said they've released something in 2014 to say they're going to start cracking down on these trusts and these distributions and whatnot. It's taken them until 2022 to release it, right? And part of it was because they lost a um, a case in the courts whereby. Um, some of these guys were doing some pretty dodgy things where they're washing monies, you know, from a trust to a company back again, and then out to the individual and getting some really good tax rates on it. Um, they, the ATO lost a case where they always sort of advised this sort of structure, this sort of setup is, is going to be a no go. Right. So most people went, all right, we won't go near it. Um, they lost the case. So that's put them under the pump a bit. So now they've brought out these, uh, recommendations or whatnot, a draft ruling and a practical uh, compliance guideline, which has to a lot of um, a lot of people really um, overstep the mark is is what I'm saying. So instead of just targeting those absolute uh, tax evasion type uh, dodgy dealings, it, it's overstepped the mark to a lot of the degree and is now 
affecting those normal family relationships, those normally family, normal family, family business um, dealings, I suppose you can say. Yeah. The, the ones that, that aren't tax evading, um, trying to find the loopholes as such, the yep. legal loopholes anyway. Um, so from the downside, what's the consequences of like continue to run it like ATO, how they're trying to crack down on it? What are the penalties for farmers um, that, I don't know, maybe farmers don't even know, but they continue down the same hole? What's the impact of that? Yeah, mate. Yep. So, um, so effectively, the so if you've got sort of this distribution happening, um, the the tax uh, the tax the the penalty is at the top rate, forty seven percent. So that hundred and fifty grand that we we're talking about with the allocation, that would instead of being taxed at my individual tax rate, automatically goes to the goes to the top rate, which would be forty seven percent. And then they are talking, um, you know, penalty tax of fifty percent on top of that. So these these guidelines that they've brought out, they've effectively come out swinging really hard on on a lot of it. I mean, um, you know, these these family arrangements where, as you were saying, Jack, when you're coming back to the farm, you know, we I think most of your listeners know how averaging works and all that sort of stuff where. You know, you can build up a low average history while you're working as a young fella and and not really having all that much income. You come into the farming business, you get allocated a lot of um, a lot of the profit, let's say, and and you have the ability to buy via averaging to um, you know to 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 save 30, 40 grand in tax, depending on what your profit is, right? So the the saving is real there. Uh, that sort of thing's being targeted. The, um, the off-farm sibling who's going to uni but is being supported, you know, by the farm or whatever, they're being targeted. Uh, there might be someone that has is working off-farm uh, but is not earning, you know, significant amount of money. Maybe they're getting topped up by farming uh, profit or trust allocations. They're going to be targeted as well. So, uh yeah, it, to what sort of happened there is they've the ATO have come out with a big stick <laughs> and basically released these draft statements and it's put everyone on edge effectively to a degree. Okay. Yeah, so it's a bit more than a slap on the wrist, especially when like you're dealing with thirty, forty thousand dollar difference per individual. Yeah, I mean we're oh, we're talking on the allocation though. I mean, yeah, forty-seven yeah, percent on that allocation. We're talking there, hundred and fifty. You know, we're we're talking talking nearly half of that. So you know, seventy odd grand uh, in tax. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's 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 an eye opener, and it's something, and it's new. That's the thing. It's just come out. It's new. It's still in draft, and um, and the and everyone's sort of. Uh, giving their guidance back, I suppose. You've got these industry groups, accounting accounting industry groups, business industry groups. Um, we've done it ourselves. We've basically sent in our, our notifications to the ATO to say, to, you know, air our grievances with it, to say that this isn't quite, you know, uh, kosher. You've effectively taking what's been... Um, considered a normal family dealing for say 30 or 40 years and uh and are, and are attacking it effectively and this initial draft legislation that came out they were even saying that they were going to retrospectively apply the penalties and the new rules back to 2014 so 
you can imagine if you're going along and you think you're playing by the rules, right? The ATO move the goalposts, they move it back to 2014 and say, Nat, you've been doing the wrong thing for the last eight years. What, what, what impact that could have on your business? Now, now with all these, we've basically, everyone's gone hard at the ATO and say, you guys have, you know, this isn't, this isn't on. We're, we're not real happy with it. And they have softened their stance since and have effectively said that they won't be applying it retrospectively at this stage unless it's a, you know, an absolute um, uh, a scheme or a, or a tax evasion type type scenario, whereas your normal family scenarios, they're going to, I think, play ball a little bit along those lines. Yeah, I think like for the family farmers that are doing it properly, to get slugged all the way back to 2014 would be a bit of a, Good kick in the guts if it didn't kick you out of the industry. Oh, definitely. It, it would be it would be devastating. Not you know that's and this isn't just farmers. It's 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 yeah. any business that's related in a business. But so sorry, that's in a trust. So you know, yeah, you, any 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 of your normal shops around town and all that sort of stuff. Every a lot of people would be affected by by these changes. <laughs> but definitely um, because as we start, as I said in the in the start of the program, the um, because the benefits are there for farmers using trusts, it, they are a very uh, popular structure in the farming industry, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And like for everyone's accountant, are they running around like headless chook currently at the moment? Or like when do people need to have all their ducks aligned and like be on top of this a bit? Yeah, well, this is the thing, Jack, because they've brought out these draft um, taxation rulings and PCG statements, which have you know, set the cat amongst the pigeons, let's say, and have sort yeah. of, um, you know, opened it up to everyone. <laughs> it scared my, a lot of practitioners and and uh, and growers and, you know, other people and farmers themselves. We're still waiting on the, um, on the final product, okay? So effectively, we're in a bit of a state of flux. We're not 100% sure what the final product's going to look like. As I said, the original drafts that came out looked horrendous um i read an article on uh accountants daily dated uh you know a couple of weeks ago and that gave me a little bit of hope that they were they'd, they'd calmed the rhetoric down a little bit and that they were softening their stance slightly so um but we're still going to have to wait and see what the final product is yeah and how it looks yeah, just like everything, I suppose, at the moment, and probably with the election, it might even be drawn out a little bit more, you suspect. Yeah, well, not to get too far into politics, it was very surprising that it would that all this has come out during a, um, during a Liberal National sort of um, LNP government. Uh, but I think it's, as I said, it's not a change. You've got to remember, it's not a change in legislation. It's a change in how the ATO are going to... Uh, review the legislation or how they're going to apply the legislation to certain aspects. So I think this is actually being driven at the moment more from the ATO's point of view than, than the political scene. Yeah. Yeah. So quite separate and probably more than likely going to go ahead regardless. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, mate. Hopefully they take our, uh, take everyone's feedback on board and, um, and, you know, fair enough, go and attack the, uh, the guys doing the wrong things, but your normal family arrangements, we need to, uh, you know, keep, 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 you know, allow them to continue because a lot of those concessions are um, help, you know, help the entrepreneur, help the farmer, help, yeah. help them get ahead. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like changing that structure for family farms that have done it 
Since what was it, 1967, you said? Uh, 1979 is when it came in. Yeah, when the original ledge came in. Um, and it was, uh, it was there just to stop the, the, blatant, um, the blatant use of the incorrect use of a trust. Yeah. Yeah. So looking forward, imagining it's all come through, what are we going to be doing as a family farm currently looking to continue with the trust? Um, not advice as such, but like what are the different ways that we can go? Yeah, no, I mean, and again, we're dealing with draft legislation. So we just really wanted to get out in front of this because there's a lot of fear out there. Anyone that sort of half read it, half knows, getting sort of 20% of the info from your accountants and, and industry groups. We need to understand the background behind it, what they're actually targeting. Okay. So, um, so how might we mitigate some of the risks? So the main problem arises when the allocation is made and the loan that's then generated is subsequently gifted back. All right. So that's, that's where the, that's where the issue arises. So one way around that might be, um, you know, document any expenses that are paid on that beneficiary's behalf. So if we're talking about an adult child or, you know, a kid turning 18 or whatever, whatever the case might be, um, you know, they might have some uh, getting cars bought for them or some housing costs some uni fees, all that, anything related to their uh ongoing living expenses that are getting paid by the farm, we need to make sure that they are going through that individual's account so that it's reducing the loan and reducing the money owed to them, okay, in a, in a legitimate way. Um, what else can we do? Uh, we can acknowledge the debt is there, all right? So instead of they're really only, as I said, they're targeting when the loan, when the money gets, when the loan gets created, but then is gifted back and the money doesn't move. So if we acknowledge that the um, that the loan is there and then it's a real debt, potentially we might be able to, you know, buy a few years with the with the allocation and, and let it go through. <coughs> um, we can, although it's not um, uh going to be give us a great greatest tax outcome maybe instead of getting profit allocations uh some of these people receive wages instead and that way that uh when they get the wage uh it's not going to impact and increase their uh individual uh beneficiary entitlement and those sorts of things so there are small things that we can do um you know if you're allocating to a company you got to make sure that you have a real, I don't want to get too technical, but a real Division 7A loan in place. So a, a loan agreement between that trust and that company so that you're ticking all the boxes with the ATO. Now, they're not going to get you back to the position that we are now where we have a, a, a nicer, a pretty open run at it, but it is going to um, you know, dampen some of the issues that, this, that these draft rulings have brought about, have come up. Yeah, okay. So across like the issue of trust and how families can mitigate their risk, what are like the three takeaways that we can spot spray or just a bit of a roundup for farmers out there that want to get ahead on the topic um, and maybe just give their account a toggle? Yeah, no, dead set. So, all right. So I've, I've just written out a little summary here for you, Jack, just so that you, um, so that, you know, sort of takeaway points as to, as to what this whole thing's about. Um, so, Effectively, the ATO aren't all that fond of trust. We know that. They're mainly due to the discretion and the flexibility they provide for the profit allocation. 
they're not huge fans of that. Um, it's not just the flexibility that they don't like. They really don't like it when the money doesn't flow where we say it's going to flow to. So if the profit's going somewhere, they really want to see the money flow to that person and that person use that money for their personal use rather than gifting it back around the back. Okay. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's the, that's the opening sentence for it. Now the ATO have recently lost that pretty big case that I was talking about before. Um, basically this guy was washing money from a trust to a company back to the trust and then out to himself living in Vanuatu. <laughs> All right. So it was basically around in circles. Uh, he, he's in Vanuatu. He's getting the, um, the dividend from the trust at the end and they were missing out on the top up tax. So they were probably missing out. They were getting a 30% tax rate on the company, but they were missing out on that top up 17 odd cents in the dollar that they were missing out there. Now they would have been pretty confident they were going to win that case. I think this has upset them a bit and that's why they've come out with these draft rulings on, um, on these other things, okay? So the draft rulings get released, the PCG statement comes out um, and it looks like they've overstepped the mark a bit with regards to family arrangements and whatnot and especially the fact that um, the, that the original uh, penalties would be retrospective back to 2014. So that came out, it felt like, you know, that, that's, that's uncalled for. Um, they are then inundated with um, massive angry submissions from the business and accountancy groups um, uh, voicing their displeasure with, with what they've sort of put forward. And now they've slightly walked it back a bit, some of their rhetoric as to, um, you know, no longer looking to retrospectively apply it and, um, and have softened their stance a touch. So, that's where we stand, Jack. I mean, it's a bit of a tricky one because we, we haven't actually got a final resolution on the whole thing, but I just wanted to try and share some light if people have been reading certain things in the papers or hearing things on the news or, you know, however you get your info as to what's the history behind it, why is it there, and what have the ATO recently um, submitted to the, to the industry as to how they're going to... Um, apply their rules to these situations going forward yeah. yeah i think it's good just to get a bit of notice on what's happening um wherever you get your news from and especially yeah. as you said before around 80 percent of your clients are running it so if it does go a little bit sour for each client it is gonna take a fair impact to restructure and see where they can go from there and yeah definitely, definitely mate. yeah long term yeah maybe restructures on the cards or We've just got to realise that uh, maybe from a tax effective point of view, trusts aren't going to be as effective as they were in the past where we've really got to see um, what the final product's going to be from the ATO before we can make a call on it though, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah definitely. Who who can you trust? I'll just admit, coming up, <laughs> come up with the topic. Yeah. Thinking about that one for a while, where you mate? Got got it out there. Right, yeah, I've been laying on it for about half an hour now. <laughs> Abbott, Brian, thanks for coming on and just giving everyone a bit of notice about what's happening within trusts, like not only in WA but right across Australia, impacting not only just agricultural farms businesses, um, but businesses right across Australia navigating within a national trust um, for their business. Yep, nah. my pleasure, mate. Uh, happy to be on. Yep, it's been been good i've been listening to a few of your podcasts and uh i think you're doing a good job well. yeah we're getting a good mix of uh stories and topics 
that is like always relevant to farmers, some evergreen content as well. But for yourself on the Beyond the Tax Return series, who's coming up next? Uh, from the Byfields crew, um, I, th- I believe it's going to be Jack. Um, <clears throat> so Jack Hayes, um, and I think he's going to be uh, discussing some end of financial year issues and, and those sorts of things um, with regards to you know what you can do prior to June just to make sure you're um, yep. you got everything got everything in line. Yep, right, ducks in a row. Yeah, the best best is yet to come for you as an accountant. Yep, end of uh, financial year. <laughs> well, Ryan, how can we contact you and the team at Biofields? You're at Northam. Yeah, mate, I'm in Northam. Um, you caught us on a good day. The mask restrictions restrictions came off today, uh, so I've been breathing some air in uh, in WA here today. Um, so, no, nah, it's been good. You can get us on our website, look at uh, www.byfields.com.au or um, if you want to contact the Northam office directly, uh, 0896 21 3200. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice Podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Ice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.